Hi, my name is Sharon Lee. I should say, why are we doing this podcast? And uh, Alex and I came together to talk about neurodiversity and to be more specific, neurodivergence. And because Alex and I have discovered that we're kind of in similar areas of neurodivergency. But on the opposing sides of the spectrum sometimes. Kind of, yes. Yeah. But there's a there's a there's a number of things that we you know, areas that we share. So we're just like this we have this like all the bases covered almost. <laughs> That's what it feels like sometimes. But it's also what's really cool is speaking with somebody who you know, another person who shares your struggle. And in fact, you know, just recently I've found out from you that I can add, you know, I can add, <laughs> it's not like I'm collecting them like, like travels and, oh, I've got that. And that's not like a bucket list or anything, but <laughs> through you, I found out that I'm in another area as well, which is absolutely fascinating to me to be the age that I am now, you know, having just turned 60 and be like, oh, wow, okay, I just found this out about myself. And then I looked back on my whole life and, and it was like, okay, that makes, you know, certain things make a lot of sense now that I'm looking at it through that filter. And, uh, you know, and of course, as anybody who's listening to this over time, you'll, you'll definitely come to recognize that I view, um, you know, neurodivergent aspects of, you know, how I'm hardwired as totally a superpower. Uh, I've never been ashamed of anything. Um, there's certainly struggles and hardship and things that I've had to hide, um, but that will all become clear during the conversations. Um, but uh, yeah, so if I go back and tell my story fairly shortly, which again, because I have ADD, this could run into three hours. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try not to do that. <laughs> Thank God for editing, right? And uh, so um, I'm, I would say my neurodivergence kind of, I want to say categories, whatever you call it. We're still putting, trying to put language around this stuff. And when yeah, I try and, really... when I try and put things on, you know, look things up online, there's just never really any good descriptions that seem to fit me because I'm not um, out on the extremes of anything. And, and of course, you know, girls are like almost always undetected and um, um, diagnosed, um, if you were, uh, because it's a lot of it is an internal and therefore mm. people don't recognize that. And for example, with the ADD, um, I tend to leave off the ADHD because I'm not physically hyperactive. It's like I could sit in a chair <laughs> pretty much for days on end. And so people will assume, you know, oh, she's calm or whatever. But on the inside, my God, what's going on in my head is I describe it in a number of different ways. It's like having, you know, like a 16 lane autobahn highway going on, you know, at any given time, um, you know, multiple directions and, you know, th <laughs> thoroughfares and, 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 you know, the exit clovers and, and the traffic clovers, um, high traffic. And, um, and it's lovely. I enjoy it. 
uh, it's very entertaining, you know, but that's, you can't tell from the outside that that's what's going on. The other way I describe it is having a four level chess game going on at any given time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can see the connections. I can see, you know, you move one tiny thing and it's like, it has implications on the other chess boards. Um, and I enjoy that very much. <laughs> and I, um, you know, but this is how I can have conversations and pick something up and then, you know, blend it in and then wrap around and then come back and pick up a thread and then weave it in somewhere else. So if I'm talking to somebody who has the same capacity, um, which you're probably hearing about these people at some point during the podcast, um, it's delightful. It's absolutely delightful to to have a conversation with other people that that we share this sort of neural hardwiring with. And um, so, if you give it, you know, that you had a question. And yeah, I just I just wanted to add something because it just came clear to me um, when you said. There's not that collecting, you are not collecting neurodivergent feeds or you are not, um, you don't have a bucket list. Um, it, it came to my attention that, uh, firstly, uh, I should I should point it out that I'm no native speaker in English, <laughs> so everybody who's listening now might uh, already recognize that. Um, I think that um, for, for me it's it's uh, a little bit like um, not not a bucket list uh, um, or a collection, but it's like. Whoa! I can see things that I um, that I recognize in myself, and I can put a label on it. I can understand it better, uh, and through that, I can understand myself better. Um, there are several things on the neuro neurodiversity shelf on, on my neurodiversity shelf that I already put there and that I already put in some places that make sense to me uh, since three weeks ago or so uh, I never thought about um, ADD for me but then in, in some conversations we had or we had in a workshop um you and other people said things that like suddenly uh, uh, yeah, opened the curtain for me so uh, that, I, that I understood myself uh, a, a tiny bit better uh, and, and could, yeah, could put things more in, pers in perspective for me so that I can say, oh, um, this, this ADHD doesn't fit for you but if you take the age out then suddenly you, I can find myself in this spectrum uh, and I can locate it there and suddenly so many things we we are going to talk about in, in, in the podcast as well like reading, watching movies, concentrating, learning, uh, being productive and so on and so on uh, makes so much sense and when you then when you then can start to combine these things together, 
for me, it's really, really valuable because I, I now can connect ADD with, for example, uh, Aphantasia, which means you have no... We, we go about this, uh, I guess, uh, later on as well, but, but just it, it means you have no inner images in your, in your imagination. Um, so reading books for me with ADD and Aphantasia is so hard. <laughs> so so hard especially especially novels and, and and fiction where you have to imagine something in 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 your in your brain or in your mind yeah so i just wanted i just wanted uh, to to conclude this thought uh was saying that it's not collecting neurodiversities for me uh, no bucket list but uh i really like this learning new definitions or learning new little pieces how brains work how, how minds work uh, that i can apply to myself and that i can look for in myself and say huh do you do i find this uh, on me as well or not yeah yeah no it's it's in this is um because again i was just like oh, okay how where do i start with this and so maybe a good place to start is like what was the first thing i noticed you know what, what as, as children what did we notice okay school yep. sucked <laughs> it was school was very 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 hard um and so the first thing i noticed Uh, you know, was the attention thing. Of course, you know, when I was in school, they did, there was just not, not, no awareness around this stuff. Um, so it's like, I would say the first thing I really became aware of was um, the ADD, and that was in my 20s. Um, I'm so high functioning on a lot of these things that it's that it's kind of hard to recognize. So as I got older, I was like, oh, wow. And then noticing people talking about them or noticing something I've read. And then I was like, oh, wow, that sounds familiar. <laughs> and again, I do this mm -hmm. scan back through my life. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay, that explains a lot. Um, for example, I'll run through the list really quick. And um, in, I would say in the order kind of that I discovered them. Um, so it's the ADD, um, dyslexia, um, the, the dyslexia, I didn't think that I had that at all because I read a lot and I read fast and I thought, well, you can't be dyslexic and read like that. And I was very lucky because, you know, how my mother raised us. And so she read a lot to us and we had a lot of input at that point very 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 early and so I lean heavily on that because I leaned on it. it's like you kind of atrophy your atrophy in one area and and so you you do you grow in another area and I'm guessing um because it's I'm dyslexic when I read something like street signs or whatever they're completely mixed but I know what the word is and so it's kind of like you just function in that manner um, but the writing, I, I write a lot, I write well, uh, I'm a wordsmith, cannot spell to save my life, or to say can't, I can't spell my way out of a wet pepper bag. And everybody in my family were excellent spellers and did crosswords and, and you just couldn't understand, my father could not understand 
why I couldn't spell and <laughs> tried to quote unquote help me. It was more, <laughs> more of a torment, but I just, you know, I didn't care. You know, I don't need that. But, you know, dictionaries, that's why dictionaries. And I would read the dictionary for fun. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, fun for wordsmiths as children. Um, but I didn't understand, you know, so I didn't assume that I had dyslexia. But it, because I was so high functioning, nobody in school caught that. But numbers, whew, I'm cripplingly uh, numerically dyslexic. I know there's a word for that that I forget. And, um, um, but which is funny again, because when I was in high school, I started working at banks, you know, go figure. So I was lucky in the family of not being, you know, where I was raised, it's like, okay, you can do whatever you want to do. And I'm also stubborn enough that if somebody says, you know, you can't do that, or that's not possible, I'm like, oh, watch me. And <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it's like we tend to, um, you know, pick up other skills that allow us to do what we want to do. And so that was like the ADD, the dyslexia. Um, there's a number of things that add to it, but that aren't considered, um, you know, a, 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 you know, a neurological issue. It's not a, um, a neuro marginalized. I'm left-handed. Um, I'm introverted because it's, you know, personality type plays into it, but everybody in my family is extroverted. So I can put a foot comfortably for a little bit on the extroversion side, but then I need to recharge my batteries. Um, years later, it, it started to become apparent that I'm probably on the spectrum of Asperger's. Um, and this one is very interesting because I, again, high functioning. So, and as a girl, um, you know, absolutely not diagnosed. Um, but it's interesting when I was raised that, that my mother we had a lot of, in our household, discussion around feelings and actions and reactions and active listening um, because she actually worked for um, uh, this place outside of Washington, D.C. called Council for Exceptional Children. And so she was an editor um, for materials that they used. And so she would bring home materials and we would talk about them and feelings. What are feelings and labeling feelings? So I have words for all of these things. So I'm not exactly sure if I actually feel them or if I know them. And, and I, I still am, am yeah, fascinated by my relationship to, the, you know, the actual feelings or, or, or just the labels of the feelings. But I'm pretty good at it because I've been doing it since I was five or six, which is exactly the materials she was using are what they were using, what they use to this day. It was like the basis of, of these studies to help um, integrate uh, kids with Asperger's and autism. So, I, you know, and I find that funny and fascinating <laughs> just by accident. Um, yeah, that I was, you know, I had the support system, although that we had no idea that that's you know, what was going on. Um, cause my sister was definitely not the same way, but the, um, and then the other thing that plays into it is kind of like my gender fluidity or non-binary, you know, but again, 
I'm 60, and so this kind of thing wasn't even really a discussion until about, you know, like like five, ten years ago. And then it's like, huh, and hearing other people's stories, I'm like, that sounds really familiar, <laughs> which is just wild. It blow, that blows my mind, you know. So it's like I'm in the middle of so many, like, spectrums, you know. I'm neither one nor the other, and and so... Yeah, I think a lot about that, and uh, and then and then um, a friend of mine, Nick, was telling me about because uh, he's HSP. Now he's farther out on a spectrum on the side, and but when he was talking about, it, I was like, wait, that sounds familiar. You know, HSP is uh, highly sensitive, sensitive person, yeah. and I always thought that meant somebody that just got their feelings hurt really easily and, and so which is ridiculous you know when i <laughs> i think about it and uh, of course there's like this, you know a lot of judgment in there on my side for sure um you know feelings but again that's that thing you know being on the asperger's thing it's like feelings okay i think about feelings i know about them logically kind of the thing <laughs> um you know it's, it's and it takes a lot kind of to hurt my feelings because I'm just like, oh, cool. Yeah, that didn't, you know, I don't take things personally. Mm-hmm. Because I see the people, which is a real gift. Because <laughs> so many people I know, they take everything personally. I'm like, well, what, what are you doing? And, I, you know, I talk to them logically about that. Like, why? Why do you do that? Why just, just choose? Just decide, you know. But it doesn't work that way for them, of course. And so I think by accident, where I am on that and how I'm hardwired has given me like this immense freedom to like navigate life outside, you know, kind of the judgment of society that I see a lot of people suffering with. And, and Mm -hmm. I I do, I feel really fortunate about that because it's just, I just don't suffer from that. And then the other one I found out from you, which was the, you know, the aphantasia and the hyperphantasia. Because when you told me about it, I was like, oh, wait. And I think you, it was you that sent me the link to it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, let me take this test. Because <laughs> 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 taking these, you know, any kind of test like that is always interesting. I know it's not the end all be all. And granted, if you're doing a free test on the Internet, you know, hello, self-diagnosis, you know, hypochondria. But um, <laughs> but when I took the test, it was it was interesting because it was so obvious that I do not have you know the aphantasia that that you have and that um, Saskia obviously has a little bit of. But um, no, mine was on the other absolute other direction and full on. And so when I got the results, they were like, oh, you know, you have hyperphantasia and I was like okay what's that so I was like google 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 and and <laughs> and it, and that's the you know that you can if you think about eating an orange you can actually taste the orange and so I was like okay that makes so much sense as well and you know again thinking back through my life I was like wow okay yeah that that's a thing you know but that aids me in my artwork that aids me in the way that I facilitate, you know, rooms of people in workshops. Um, I can imagine myself. I can imagine, well, not myself, I can imagine other people's um, situations or feelings. Because, again, it's like 
clinically, logically, I'm imagining the feelings are what somebody, feelings that somebody might have in any given situation, but it happens so fast, thanks to ADD, that, <laughs> that it almost looks like magic, but it's not, you know, but it's the, the, it's, it's so acute in an, and, and it permeates everything. So it's like, you know, looking at this stuff and finding out about it, it's like, wow. No, it, 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 it literally feels like superpowers sometimes. That uh, quick finding of conclusions and, and uh, making connections because of the ADD, uh, yeah, it's really, I think it's, it's really something of uh, like, a, like a superpower. Because normally, I don't know on, on which percentage um, that's distributed uh, in society, but uh, I think that most people, uh, most people just rely on intuition to come to quick conclusions or to come quickly to decisions. In my opinion, using intuition or feelings to get to a conclusion or a decision often leads you a wrong way because you don't take everything, uh, especially you don't take um, the things in consideration that you don't know because you can't take them in consideration without thinking or researching. Uh, and... Um, I think people tend to don't take into consideration the things that might hurt them or that might be, uh, yeah, not so nice, I, I would say, because then they don't feel good, so they try to avoid it. Um, and that's, yeah, to... To work around that or, or, or to work your way through that with quick thinking through ADD, uh, yeah, really, really sounds like, uh, sounds like a superpower. Yeah. And again, it's like, I, I feel like I've won the lottery birth, lottery hand at, at birth, um, you know, the poker hand or whatever, lottery ticket, poker hand. Because my mother, you know, we grew up with her asking, uh, my mom was like master, you know, I'm going to say facilitator and space holder and, and master listener for sure. And so, you know, I grew up, you know, we would have discussions all the time about, um, she was a, a critical, she talks about critical thinking and uh, she was a skeptic she was a member of the skeptic society and so that was required in our household you know to question mm -hmm. things to question especially our own beliefs and biases and and perspectives so i don't know how to i don't know any different i've never not done it as f for as far as i can tell so as soon as something comes out of my mouth i have that you know um scientist or experimenters mentality of like, huh, well, that sounds interesting. It sounds correct. Is it? I wonder if it is. I wonder how would I know? <laughs> so it's always like, I mean, immediately right after it. Um, but then again, with the speed of the ADD and this and that and the, and, and the um, scientist mindset, um, um, 
you know, makes for a, a, a pretty interesting cocktail. <laughs> and, if, and, and, you know, because we, we, we've had enough conversations. Um, some people, I'm guessing, you that you speak with, they're just like, wait, 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 Alex, that's, wait, that's too much information or something. And, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, can you, can you, wait, wait, you know. But it's like with people like you, it's a delight, you know, because I can do the free range thinking. And I don't have to harness it in, which is why we named the podcast that we named it, because yes. it's such a pleasure to, to, to talk and think at, at my natural speed. Yeah. I, that's, that's, I, I hope uh, one of the things we can uh, accomplish with, with the podcast so that we uh, can... Paint a paint a map or paint a picture of all different uh, neurodiversities um, and furthermore things that are known. When you were talking, I was thinking about hmm, what what were the first things that I um, that I uh, recognized, and um, for me, it's I guess two. Now, three things. The first, I always wanted to draw as a kid. But because of the aphantasia, and now I can connect the dots looking back, I couldn't draw uh, on a blank page or from my mind. I just can copy something. I was really good at copying uh, like different comic figures or cartoons. Uh, and then I, I, I had a, like a vocabulary, vocabulary or a repertoire of different figures that went into muscle memory so that I c- could draw them in another context and so I could make up my own stories. Uh, but I, I just had these figures that I could draw this way, which I like, yeah, I, I didn't memorize it. I couldn't see it on, in my inner eye. I just could let my hand do the work. And then I could see it on the page, but not in my mind. Uh, so it was really frustrating for me as a kid uh, when all people say, ah, oh, you can draw so well, can you draw me this and that? And that was not fitting my vocabulary. So I always had to say, no, I can't. I can't just draw this or this or this. And then I stopped like uh, with, with 11, 12 years or so, I, I stopped drawing altogether. And now I can, yeah, I, ca- I can make sense of that, uh, why that happened. And I'm um, I'm pretty. I don't know how high I am on an Asperger scale. I did some tests um, from a German um, uh, Gunther Dück. Um, he he's a he was the chief uh, chief invention officer at uh, IBM in Germany uh, for for a long time. Um, <clears throat> and he wrote lots of books um, about uh, yeah about psychology, philosophy, and people in the workspace. Uh, and he had different tests on the website and said, "Hey, if you like to do this test and send me the results, uh, so that I can do a little bit of scientific in in air quotes scientific research." Uh, and I did several of the tests on his on his website. Uh, some were the the MBTI test, with which is lot lot of people see that that really critically. 
me too, but I can take the MBTI. Uh, I, I take it in in um, every two years, I would say, and I'm always INFP. And I take different different tests in English, in German, uh, and it's always INFP. Uh, and I took several um, um, Asperger tests. Uh, and on the scale that they have there, uh, it's like 15 is uh, normal in air quotes, then 20 is a little bit higher. And uh, at, at 20, you could say, okay, there is something... Uh, that you are on the on the Asperger scale, and I always I always hit like between thirty five and forty five. So I'm pretty sure that that's the direction. Um, but I never never did like therapy or something or uh, went to a, to a psychologist about it. But um, I think that's the reason why I'm pretty logical a thinker. Um yeah as I, I can't um describe feelings or name feelings that well. Um I almost sometimes I don't know if despise is the, the right word, but I don't like people that are over emotional. Uh, when it when it uh, at least when it affects me i really don't like it because i say no we think this through we go rational uh, this way what i discovered was that because i'm that logical and it's funny because i retweeted something from ryan holiday uh yesterday uh who said believe in yourself is overrated work on evidence yeah 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 and that is something that totally yeah uh, resonated with me because uh i never that i i can look back at like 10 or 11 and i never believed in anything i always wanted to have proof so i'm an atheist since then which i uh yeah i i can't understand why people um do something because they believe it because that's so irrational to me I mean, one of the things that I know that we share is like the, um, uh, it's like the, I want to say the non-respect for authority. And it's not that it's like a, a rebellious thing. It's just like, well, you just have a title, but what does that mean? You're no different, you know? So I have no, somebody has to earn that in, in yeah. my eyes. It's like, yeah. yeah, it doesn't mean anything. It literally means yeah. nothing. Just because somebody's yeah. holding a position, um, which is very liberating and freeing <laughs> to have that particular component to navigate this world. Yes, and and uh, that is, uh, I think that is quite a good detector for uh, which people are really good in their field or who just got their degree or their title through sitting on a chair for 30 years or 40 years. Uh, and just getting up in the ranks uh, just because they were there all the time, but they didn't earn it. Well, that's and, and it's an interesting word. He's like earning it in what way? Because it's a value and a judgment word, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's 
because for example, you know, I call myself a behavioral scientist. I do not have a degree in this. Now, a lot of people say, oh, and Sharon, the behavioral scientist. And I'm always like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. The way I can tell by the way you're saying that, that you're putting a lot of weight into this. Um, and it's sort of like with being an artist, um, you could, you know, it's not because I've, I've been an artist throughout my entire life. You know, there's, there's, my mother was an artist. My, you know, my father was an engineer, um, just incredible creator and inventor. So I just kind of have this in my blood and in my DNA. Um, you know, so there's not a, there's not a, um, you know, university or degree program that can give me legitimacy in my eyes. Again, that thing of the respect just because you have something. It's like, what are you doing with it? You know, how creative are you? What are you doing with it? Um, but it's like, I could lose my hands and my eyesight. I'm still going to be an artist. Same thing with being a behavioral scientist. You can't force me to stop that. <laughs> I am what I am. You know, that's the kind of animal that I am. Um, but it's, you know, and so I feel very solid in saying it. And I know it bugs a lot of people. It's just something that they're going to have to deal with. It doesn't really have anything to do with me. Um, I'm going to navigate the world as, you know, like I do. Uh, but I do understand yeah. it's within this structure of academia and and valuation. So it's sort of like a, I live my life in sort of an anti-manner. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it depends on uh, when other people put weight in it uh, and they expect something particular from you because um, they read or they hear uh, that you are a behavioral scientist. Um, yeah, that they put something in there that uh, where you would say so, no, 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 that's not what I meant or that's not what how I see that. Um, I think we, we talked about that um, some days ago or some weeks ago. If you, I mean, I could say Uh, if I if I'm really interested in the topic, um, I could say I'm I'm like a heart surgeon. Well, that's a little bit I different. Would, okay, if somebody's yeah, gonna cut me open. I want you to have a degree. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, wait. That, that's that's what I was what I was was thinking about. I can be uh, I can be somebody who uh, is really into the anatomy of the heart, how it works, how it functions. Uh, Theoretically, maybe I ha I, I, I could uh, cut somebody open and do a heart transplant, but I would never do it because that is that is just something um, that is like uh, that's something you need the degree for to be allowed to do it and get the experience in it so that you have this muscle memory. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 the same like um, you could say I'm a, I'm a concert pianist or uh, I'm a, I'm a classical pianist um, and just because you haven't been on a stage at I don't know at the at the at a really big opera house like uh, Elbphilharmonie or something like that it doesn't mean it's it's not true. You are 
the classical pianist or a concert pianist. But there's, you know, it's, you know, because I'm also, I didn't mention this earlier, but, you know, I'm also a polymath. And I could have, you know, if the school systems, if the industrialized education system wasn't so difficult for neurodivergent students and made it a living hell for us and, and had support structures for us, I could have easily been, you know, like a yeah, brain surgeon or, you know, something, something like that, because it's something, the, you know, anything the medical fields have always been an interest to me. Um, you know, we had microscopes as kids and the, 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 that was just an area I could have easily gone down that and, and Mm -hmm. maybe being a lawyer or doing something, but just stuff that, you know, it's just not possible, um, with the education system set up like it is for somebody like me to go through Mm -hmm. the schools and the universities, just, it's just really, um, tragic that a lot of people, brilliant people slip through the cracks of our education system yes i would say the and i i think i was i'm from the first generation that profited massively from the internet and from the internet that makes these cracks bigger 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 so that everybody can fall through or it closes the the cracks altogether so that no it doesn't it doesn't matter on which side of the metaphor uh, one is standing but i think the the web is um that is one of the superpowers of the internet that you can can find the people um that can help you that you can find the information that you can understand uh things better that you can find like uh where, where Woo-hoo. yeah <laughs> where's, where's where's my path in it uh which i mean um we we in, in one of the workshops uh we talked really briefly about niklas luhmann the sociologist who in, in used not invented but used his zettelkasten um, to to write like 60 or 80 books and 400 uh, essays. But uh, the fun story behind it is um, he was um, he was not a lawyer, but he studied law and he, he worked in administration somewhere. And uh, he wrote two or three articles yeah, about his, his method of working with his Zettelkasten in the 60s or 70s. Uh, and then, um, describe what Zettelkasten settle, is. Yeah, Zettelkasten or Zettelkasten um, is like a, a slip box. It's like an archive system. He wrote every thought he had, uh, every literature note, everything he he uh, absorbed from his work, his reading from articles. He he wrote every idea on one of his settles, and then he structured them. Through, nu- through a numbering system uh, so that he can he said he, he could communicate with the settled custom and when he wanted to work on an idea on, on, on an article, on a book or whatever, on a lecture then he could go to his settled custom and dive into an idea combine all those ideas he collected in there and build something new from, build new knowledge from it um, and he, 
I, I think he described that in the 60s. Uh, and then a sociology professor uh, contacted him and said, hey, uh, this, this, this uh, method of working you have there is really valuable for uh, the academics, for, for sociology. Uh, would you like to work as a professor here? And he never studied sociology. Uh, he applied with his his, his project, um, uh, which he proposed to the University of Bielefeld was, uh, I'm Niklas Luhmann, I want to do a uh, um, study uh, system theory of society, uh, duration 30 years, cost zero. And that was his project for 30 years. Uh, so, so it was. It was. Uh, uh, what I wanted to say with that is that in 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 yeah, really rare cases, it was possible before the internet uh, that you are lucky and were were like discovered from somebody uh, who could say, okay, you can do this. I'm gonna throw this out there because I'm pretty sure my. It, the guess of what I'm getting ready to say is, is I'm guessing he's a white guy, right? Yes. So the opportunities for white men, yes. of course, yes. <laughs> for things like that to just happen. Yeah. Not surprising. Yeah. <laughs> just got to throw that out there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not, yeah, not, yeah, not being yeah. contentious, but needs to be said. Yeah. Yeah. It needs to, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It needs to be yeah. said. Yeah. Huh. And uh, yeah, that just just uh, came to my mind that um, those are really, really, or those were really, really rare occasions. Um, and through the last 10, 12 years, uh, it really took off. And especially in the last two years of the pandemic, um, that was like a, a catalyst or... or uh, I don't know, Brandbeschleuniger. Uh, I just <laughs> don't uh, uh, get the get the English word here, but it, it was like putting putting fuel on the right fire. Okay, right, 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 right. Yeah, and it's and and you bring up a good point because it's like living in the era that we're living in with the computer, and then to have, you know, I want to say a natural disaster with the pandemic. You know, at this point in history. It's it's quite something I I find and to be like alive when I am now and especially the age that I am now so I can physically see you know historical <laughs> you know what has come you know just in my sh short lifetime but still you you have a better kind of grasp on a historical perspective there's um these are exciting times because of that and it's like the exponential growth of I want to say everything but the yeah. but the bandwidth that humans are having to deal with right now and the fact that we've built you know the education systems you know the industrialized systems have kind of squeezed everybody into this thing where you need to be specialized in order to mm -hmm. achieve It's like the people who are like, I would say thriving. I don't know, a lot of people suffering. Don't get me wrong. Um, but there's, there's the people who I've seen just kind of globally <laughs> that I've been watching 
the ones that are kind of coming to life right now are the neurodivergence because we have a lifetime of, of having to live within a system that is not built for us. And the fact that we have had a lifetime of experience kind of hacking that system because we've already absorbed the fact that we're outsiders. And so now all the, I want to say the neuronormatives are having to deal with the fact that it's like, oh shit, you know, we don't have security. We don't have this. What is the new normal? What's the new, when is it going to get back to normal? And then there's others of us that are going, ha ha, hopefully never. And, (laughs) and, you know, let's build it how we want it. And, and this is an exciting time. I know it's uncomfortable for everybody. I mean, it gutted my finances, you know, so I'm not saying, you know, it's like, woohoo, you know, party, party. Um, no, no, we were, we've been struggling <laughs> here. We moved, you know, we moved to France two, you know, two months before the first hard lockdown and, and it has not been easy. And, um, and there's people around me who are really struggling with the mental health issues of, of, you know, normally, but then you add the pandemic on top of that. It's a tough, it's a tough road. But at least I feel like I don't have to deal with the, having to go through the realization that, oh, shit, we don't have security. Oh, shit, what am I going to do? Because, mm-hmm. you know, our muscles are kind of anybody who's neurodivergent or, every, you know, anything, anybody, you know, gender, race, you name it. It's like we're used to this. and in fact our muscles are more well are better developed to deal with kind of this chaotic thing i mean it's always chaotic but it was such that people could still maintain the denial and because of the pandemic it's that you know the emperor's new clothes thing it's like oh he really is naked you know (laughs) meaning this really (laughs) is a screwed up system and the systems you know that everybody was having to buy into this you know, global denial that everything was okay. You know, you look at the at the at the supply the supply chains. Yeah, that's been a broken system for a long ass time. Mm. But now everybody has to go. Oh, the system's broken. You know, and so then it's the. You know, but again, it's that the, the wanting and the needing of saying, when's it going to get back to normal? And it's like it should have been changed. It should have been changing. You know, this kind of thing. I know I'm like going all over the place. It's <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm not worried about it, um, of course, with you, but it's like funny to do a podcast and think it's like, huh, you know, like, what are people going to think when they listen to this? Like, what are they going? Where are they going in that conversation? <laughs> <laughs> but I have a feeling people of our tribe are going to be like, yes, I'm there. I, I see. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> That's the beautiful thing about podcasts, so that you can pause and think about it, or go back, or uh, look in the look in the chapters and and look ahead. Okay, what's coming? Where are they going with that now? And uh, yeah, you can. I, I hope we can do the the show notes in a way uh, that that people who are thinking this right now can take a peek into what what is going to come up that we don't have an idea about right now <laughs> so in in 15 minutes we can we can go about something completely different i just i just thought when you when you said that is uh would you say that that is uh one definition of it's it, it's funny because 
in the last six or nine months the term resilient or resiliency came up so often and it's everywhere and I how, how, how did you phrase it in neuronormal uh, neuronormal no, uh, it seems that most of the time it's neuronormatives that bring up a discussion about how important resiliency is and how important it is to get resilient and when they describe it because of the pandemic it's almost similar similar than uh, what you uh, just said and i i go always like hmm welcome to my life so <laughs> what's the what's the big deal what what's the big deal about that now, why do why, are there people that have to learn that that's normal right But this is the thing. And it's like, for example, you're exactly right. I, I see a lot of neuronormatives going, you know, yeah, but they're resilient. They have to be resilient. They have to be. So who are they calling in to teach resiliency workshops? Other neuronormatives, right? It's the same thing with companies having white people teach diversity, you know, issues in the company. It's like, for God's sakes, go to the source, you know, get some people of color or handicapped people or just whatever, but outside the norms, get the people on the fringes to come in yeah. and talk about it. So if you want to talk about resiliency, yeah, get the people on the fringes to come in and talk about that, you know? Yeah. And it's like, um, I think we're in this area of transition where people are starting to, but it, that takes a bit, that takes a while. Um, so it is interesting to sit and watch it all and watch people come into the realization of it. I'm pretty patient with that. And there's a lot of discussion around, well, it should be like this. I'm like, yeah, but I mean, should. Maybe the it should be like this uh, thinking uh, is what got us in the situation of broken systems because systems have to change and have to adapt to the situation. Now, of course, like, you know, abusive situations or equal pay, hello, that needs to change overnight. And the, yeah. the you know, the racist stuff, and it's like, no, no, that needs to stop now. The sexist mm -hmm. stuff, the all of that, okay, that needs to stop. But, um, I mean, you know, change is slow. And so some of the other structures of, you know, the, the thinking structures and the, the, and especially big companies, I mean, they move like dinosaurs. They're so big, they can't, you know, it's, it's impossible and unrealistic to expect them to change um, their, their thinking structures and their cultures overnight. And that's unrealistic. Um, It's like for me, I would I can't imagine myself going in and and you know bashing my head against a wall and working for companies to do that job. Um, I'm better off talking to the other trainers and saying, okay, you know, give me your trainers, <laughs> give me <laughs> give me these people, and then you know to be then the ripple effect because um, it's to me that would be very frustrating. You know, because I was in a doing kind of consulting in the automotive industry, not in it. Um, my wife and partner, she's an engineer, so she was in the company. Our clients didn't even know I was in the equation, uh, but we were making okay. enough money that it was like you know it was absorbed. My fee was absorbed into it, 
but it was like triage, you know, I was like on uh, like the the Navy seal behind the curtain and it's like on call because we, we would consult for, um, uh, um, in cri- uh, projects in crisis. Now it was a hell of a lot of fun for me, but I wasn't mm-hmm. in it and it was super toxic, uh, for Lydia. <laughs> so, which is why we ended up leaving because it was just super toxic and more so exponentially so. So it was, it was, but it's frustrating watching something that you're doing and having a good effect. And as soon as you leave, it just, it just goes right back. Um, and at the time we left, it was funny because right two weeks before we moved here and everything was packed up. And I did this interview with this young woman. And at the end of it, she asked me this question and she said, do you think it's ever going to change? You know, do you ever see it changing? You know, you know the, um, uh, the management systems and the structures. And I was like, ha ha. <laughs> I mean, it was so not necessarily arrogant, but I was just like, ha ha, not in my lifetime. No, so sure. So sure at that point, um, which is a good lesson to like, never say never. Cause then bang, we had this pandemic and like, look where we are. We actually have a chance to, you know, the doors are open, you know, the top is off Pandora's box. You can't get stuff back in you can't get it back to where it was they're trying to do it back where it where it was but it needs to be something new Mm. and uh but it's it's so funny um you know having said that i'm so sure i was like not in my lifetime ha good luck with that you know and then it's like look where we are now this is these are exciting times and again, it's so strange because I find myself, I would never lead in talking to a company. I would never talk about, like, lead with the fact that I'm neurodivergent. <laughs> now I do. It's the wildest thing. It blows my mind because it's like I find myself suddenly being this accidental expert, mm-hmm. which is... I mean, I've always been, and people said, yeah, but you could have told them, you know, you didn't have to be ashamed. I'm like, no, 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 you misunderstand. I've never been ashamed. But I'm also not going to shoot myself in the foot right out of the gate yeah. trying to go in and, and get a contract. You know, you just didn't. You couldn't at that point. Um, mm. Now, again, I'm lucky. I'm, you know, a white American. You can't see the other stuff. Mm. I can hide it because I'm sort of in the middle and, you know, on high functioning. Um, the one thing that is hard to keep under control, and I haven't done it yet, <laughs> but it'll come out at some point because you know, <laughs> but it takes effort, is the cussing. Now, that mm-hmm. falls somewhere kind of on the, um, <laughs> on the sort of on the Tourette's sort of thing. But mm-hmm. if I get going at full speed, it's really, really hard for me not to cuss a lot. And so, um, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. You've heard it, but it's, it's, um, but it takes energy to not do that. And, um, yeah, but the, but now I have no problem because I'm not ashamed of it. It's just that I would rarely, you know, mention it. Now I would say, okay, I'm going to do this thing for you, but you need to know I have this thing. So if I get, you know, please don't take offense and, you know, I don't mean anything by it. And I know people would be okay about it now, which is such a cool thing. Yeah, but if you rein yourself in, uh, 
just if you just take the the, the example of of cussing when you can't speak freely and you have to rein yourself in then you rein your your thinking in and then you can't think freely so i i don't know i don't know how much that affects you uh, but I, i i never i never i never uh, yeah draw a line or analyze it but Uh, when I have to, because when I'm in a, in a situation uh, where I don't know, do I do I uh, running a risk uh, that there's no contract or that I uh, don't get the the job or the project? Um, if I am, if I have to rein in myself and uh, can't be exactly the way that I have to in that situation to come to a solution or whatever, uh, then I literally can see how I, how I can't think effectively. It's like, it's like things that I can't say in that moment are, are like, like fog Uh, in, in my mind and I have to get them out to think clearly again yeah yeah no you're exactly right I think and for me part of it is age where um, the management and the control issue I have better control now um, mm. again and in another in another episode another <laughs> podcast we will talk about the um, the chemical things of mm. nutrition um, and, and what we do to help support, you know, the neurodivergent, you know, whatever we're dealing with, because, you know, it's on. It, yeah, that's a, that's a factor, a big factor. Um, protein is our friend, you know, sugar is not <laughs> gluten generally is not, you know, but, oh. but, uh, it depends. It, it depends on the day and it depends on what I'm, what I'm doing in the tasks, what we're doing right now, I, it's the freest state that I'm in that I need the least of anything, um, um, nutritionally or chemically to, to support or sustain. Um, it's, it's the tasky mundane things that I really struggle with and, uh, mm. and, and where I have to be static a lot of times, um, to do it. Because, you know, it's, a voice thing is one thing and they can't see me. But generally speaking, um, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm not leaning back against my chair. I always sit upright where I can move, you know, mm. and my feet underneath the table. <laughs> There's a lot of movement. And uh, I try and contain that when I'm doing a thing because I know it's distracting if I'm, you know, <laughs> weaving in and out of the frame. <laughs> so I am conscious of that. Um, but I've had, oh God, 15 years of, you know, um, not training, but uh, experience with that. Now where it serves me when I'm doing a, a podcast or a speech or a, a something, it really serves me, um, mm. because it's what looks like on stage is being kind of manic mm. on on you know on a zoom or something or on screen it actually works in my favor 
because I am very animated and, you know, the shit I do with my face and whatever, <laughs> it, it comes across as being, you know, uh, the, what's the word I hate? Um, authentic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You know, authentic. Look at her being authentic and vulnerable <laughs> you know, and, and brave. Look how brave. And, you know, it, but it's more like a tick or something like that. But it, it serves me. It actually serves me in this atmosphere. So I'm very fortunate with that. Again, it's, it blows my mind that uh, something that I've lived with forever um, is suddenly like a super asset <laughs> mm-hmm. in our world right now, which I just think is really cool. So I try and help other people, you know, and I, I have a lot of contact with them, um, you know, neurodivergent entrepreneurs. And I'm like, Ooh, you've got it all. You've won the lottery. Let me show yeah. you, you know, <laughs> because it's true. It's so true. Yeah. But hearing that, But for the first part, hearing that, that there's nothing wrong with you, but that uh, other people are on, on, on the same spectrum, um, have the same features, <clears throat> is, I guess, for, for young people, really, really helpful. And then getting some inspiration how to use it and how it benefited our lives and giving giving that back uh can i think so can help um in a completely in a completely other manner as well um because otherwise yeah you just think oh i'm i'm the odd one out here and um there's something special yeah, a lot or there's of something shame. a lot of shame attached to it yeah You know, and the people trying to control themselves to fit into the structure that society yeah. has been for a really long time now. And my viewpoint is like, you know, for fuck's sake, let's get some color back in here. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, yeah, you know, let's get some variety and color and realness back into this professional buttoned up um, structure that's been kind of dominant for so long. Would you would you say that everybody is neurodivergent in some aspect? So that there, if you if you look really really close, that there may not be neuronormative people. But that's an excellent point. And and people say, well, what does it mean to be? You know, they, they use the word. What does it mean to be neurodiverse? And I'm like, we're all neurodiverse. Okay, it, yeah. that's like saying, what does it mean to be human? And it's yeah. like, there, but there's a culture, there's a, um, there, you know, everything's on a spectrum. Everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, other people say, what do you mean a spectrum? Isn't it like this? And I'm like, okay, good point. Okay, but for me, what it feels like, and, and I know when I describe it, a lot of people say, Oh, that, that sounds exactly like what it's like for me. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I have proof that the way I see it, other people see it, doesn't mean it's the only way to see it. Not by a long mm. shot. But the the thing is, is that there's, there's you know, like this spectrum of we're, we're all on this spectrum. Now, for me, I'm in the middle of a lot of things. 
a lot of things. I'm not like kind of far out on any one, <laughs> on any one category. Um, and then that in a way of having so many of mine in the center or in the, in the gray area of, of, of spectrum can be confusing. And it kind of was when I was younger, because as, as, you know, mammals, as human mammals, we put, we categorize things, we make a judgment. Is that that? And it's an instinct that has served us and kept us from getting eaten by tigers on the Serengeti. I don't even know if tigers were on the Serengeti. Anyway, big predatory animals that (laughs) we would have to look out for. So we had to categorize it in order to evolve. So, you know, we like to think we're domesticated. We're really not. When you look at when we came into the picture and now, it's like, you know, we've only been (laughs) domesticated about this long, if that. I don't think there's any space in between here. And and it's fairly recent. So, like, what the hell do we do with those instincts and all that hard wiring? Well, I can tell you, it, it looks pretty unhealthy when you put when you when you see all those behaviors on like social media, super super you know negative. But you know, so I always think a lot about that. About like, okay, well, how can we use those same things in a positive way? And as you know, it's it's meant as a sensor, you know, um, to to say, okay, where are we? Oh, we're here. Okay, what does that mean? You know, how can if we if we want to get over here, how can we? I know I'm speaking very generally now. I can tell. Uh, let me put it as an example. Um, I mean, we're all on the spectrum somewhere. Um, some of us more than others of us. You know, it's for example, I have friends that are absolutely cisgendered they have you know they're like cis hetero in terms of being you know heterosexual you know male female no question of it no question of it no problem with it nothing then i have you know gay friends and who are full-on on the gay you know the gay side of the spectrum and you know they're, they're you know whether it's their their identity or who they're attracted to because those are also two different things but there's you know they're sure Mine is not so sure. <laughs> that, that stuff is like, huh, you know, what, what, what time is it? And what does it feel like today? You know, that's hard for me to, to, to put my finger on. Um, mm. And that was a thing I kept quiet because you totally ostracized by the gay community. The straight community thinks you're totally wishy-washy. You know, it, 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 it's like, so that part I didn't really talk about a whole lot. Um, and... So that's just one thing when, you know, that's just a sexuality kind of a thing. Then when you're talking about the, the, you know, neurodiversity, kind of the same thing, there's so much that's not known. And this is where we're in this era right now where there's the neuroscience is just this exploding field. So every day there's something new, which is so exciting. And it's like, I can't keep up with it. You know, first I was just, oh, yes, I know this, 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 and this. And then it's just like, you know, it's like everything is out of my, I can't, I can't pay attention to it all. Um, So I pay attention to the stuff that's interesting to me in my areas of um, interest. And then the other stuff, you know, I rely on certain, um, how do I say, peoples in certain areas. So I go, okay, what are they studying now? What are they looking at? So I lean on them for their research and what they're doing, which is cool. 
because I don't have to do the research personally. Um, for example, Brene Brown, you know, mm-hmm. she just, I don't have to do any of this research now, <laughs> but the, the vulnerability in this and that, and I can go, huh, Brene Brown said, you know what I mean? <laughs> I can totally, totally lean on the research that she's doing, which is a phenomenal thing. And so there's this, um, you know, all these people that are doing the, the neurological studies, which adds to my areas of interest that then I can pull in, you know, as I need it, when I need it, and uh, which frees me up for more thinking. I don't know if I answered your question at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I... that could be the the job for the next five or ten years to to break this kind of mold, this gray gray ultra structured mode of society um, and get into there with um, with tools and with methods and help I, I think we have to help the people that uh, that want everything to stay the the same I, I, I can imagine uh, there are lots of people out there who didn't discover it Uh, if they didn't discover their own neurodiversity yet, it's hard for them to accept, it's hard and exhausting for them to accept neurodiversity in other people uh, because they are just totally overwhelmed. Um, they they, they, they uh, maybe think like, Ugh, now I have to deal with this and with this and with this and with this. And they are, I think they are swamped with so much information and so much information they can't relate to yet. Because, because they, yeah, they, 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 didn't, they didn't explore it. Uh, they didn't uh, found something in, in themselves yet. Uh, so that they, for you or and for me, it's relatively easy to 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 relate um, in in some way or, or another because we yeah we worked on ourselves so much <clears throat> and discovered so much uh, about ourselves that we can uh, that we can use this experience to understand other people or other groups of people teams whatever fairly quickly and I, i i guess there are lots and lots that the majority of people out there um needs some kind of guidance or some kind of help uh, in that uh to to find a way to wrap their head around it in the first place And then to, to, to know what to do and then to know how to do it and with what they should do it. Right. And there's this pressure to do something with it. And my yeah. question is always, do, should we? Mm. You know, I, I mean, of course, it's like it, it, it's there for us if we if whatever we want to use or, or do something with it. For example, um, it's like the personality Now, I'm fascinated with the different types of personality and how we're hardwired and how much is nature nurture. Now, when you take that and you over, you start 
like putting layers, like filters on top of that, whether it's culture, whether it's, you know, and some people you let you put a layer of trauma on top of that and it changes the spectrum of it. It changes the equation. It mm. is, um, uh, you know, I, I think in, in another way is like, you know, you, you change the sauce when you're cooking, you change one little ingredient and it, and it changes the whole sauce, the taste of the sauce. So it's, um, yeah, and I'm absolutely fascinated with this. And the and the studies that are going on gives me more information that I can I can practice these little experiments that I just do. I can't help it. <laughs> and the and the dots that I connect and, and and looking at them. And then I then there's a lot of kind of testing and talking and discussion. And it's like, what about you? What about you? And and the stories. And this is where the storytelling factor comes in because you know people say yeah but it's not data and i'm like is it you know because because why you know it's it's mm. it's somebody's because i can't my data is different than somebody else's life data but it mm. doesn't mean it's of any less value Mm. it's different but how do you you know it, it, this is one of the things that you know I, I see is connected where it's like all the medical testing they didn't never really did it on women this is fairly a new thing where medical testing is done on women because of women's shifting hormonal levels and they say well we can't get clean data so let's test out birth control pills on men i mean <laughs> when you think about how fucking ridiculous that is something some medication for women but they test it on men because they can't test it on women because women are too hormonally this and that so they can't get a good scientific data on it you know it's like how about you talk to them how about that <laughs> so you know what i mean we there's value in stories which i feel like the world hasn't even begun to tap into and it's like but you can you know but then there's this i mean there's different kinds of scientist mindset there's one that's very rigid and then there's one where they're open and experimenting and like, okay, that's interesting. Let's just collect data and, mm. and let's collect the stories. Let's collect, you know, and then later on, it's like they say the hindsight, you can't really tell what a good experiment was except in hindsight. Mm. But as it's going on, you're too close, we're too close to it, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't collect the data and we shouldn't collect the stories and just discount the stories. Um, and it, but it, it, when it builds up, then you start seeing a pattern, but it's the, the, the information and the, how we can measure now the ca capacity to measure. It's like, God, I want one of these. I mean, I know that they're like <laughs> thousands and thousands and thousands of euros, but it's like, oh my God, how much do I want? you know, these headsets that, that measure, you know, your brain waves and your neurological this and that. I want, I want all of it. I want all of it. And I want to call these people up and go, okay, just, can I just, you know, borrow it for you? <laughs> can I just come to your lab? Can we just like measure a bunch of stuff? But that shit's expensive. You know, there's a new thing out and God, I want it of course, but 
I mean, if I got everything I wanted, it would just be crazy. And uh, <laughs> I need another place just to have all this stuff and <laughs> the machines. But there's, they've got a new one where you could breathe into it and it tells you about your, you know, like your, I think it's your blood sugar levels is about a, a number of different things that it tells you just by your breath. I'm like, Oh God, I want that. I want that. That sounds that 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 really sounds like uh, Tricorder from Star Trek, where you just like wee wee, and then you have all the. Uh, how bad do I want one of those? <laughs> I mean, I work I I, I work for a, for a, a it's a, it's a little company that's it's like a startup um, that were founded like two two and a half years ago uh, from another uh, bigger bigger company nearby here. Um, They are offering like uh, blood analysis blood analysis boxes. So you buy this box, you get like six, seven, eight tubes. Um, you go to your doctor, they pull blood, <clears throat> you put that into them, send it back to them. That's nothing really special. Um, the, the, the speciality comes in, they have... Uh, special chosen labs that can do really in-depth uh, blood tests and then they uh, can compare because they are doing that on a really high level with um, uh, athletes and, um, and, and um, rich uh, people yeah rich people sea level things and rich rich people uh they have like 60,000 data points already over the last uh 25 years they can compare the the data um and then uh their uh like goal is um to measure all the micronutrients right they do uh, like 16 or 17 tests for my, uh, different micronutrients uh, then they put them into uh, context to your body and then they put them into context with their 60 or 61,000 data sets they already have uh, so that they can compare them and say okay this might be this direction this might be this direction um, and they said it's so The, I, I talked to the to the professor uh, some days ago, and he said, "Yeah, um, we just got a study back uh, where they worked with uh, kids with ADHD, ADHD um, and they 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 measured the the micronutrients. Um, then they had like 168 kids, I, I guess. Uh, then the the over 160 kids uh, got." Every everyone got uh, a special a special recipe uh, for for micronutrients that were completely all over the place. Um, and after 24 weeks, yeah, around about half a year, uh, over a hundred of them uh, were completely. Um, that they don't have any um, any of the hyperactivity. So that so that they so that they um, yeah they they didn't need any medication or uh, whatever and um, but still had the yeah like 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 the benefits so there was no 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 like personality change or or so that you often have or or um, uh, the side effects that you have from medication 
that they didn't have. Yeah, that's a, and it's a fascinating area now. And my, my first question is always, did, um, who was a study group? Did they take them across socioeconomic, you know, a range? Or are they taking them, the kids, from the higher? Because normally what they do in studies is they get, like, the kids of, you know, professors and teachers and, and you know, in their, in their circle mm. and in their orbit, which tends to be a fairly high level of socioeconomic um, sample size. So it's like, okay, who, who are they studying? And then they, they, mm. they never give that stuff up. But that's such a huge, huge impact. Yeah. You know, in the education level, the, you know, the socio, what nutrients are they used to getting, Mm -hmm. you know, by the time that they get in in there? You know, it's like single parent household, you know, as to two parent household, what's the economic status of that? What's the culture? You know, is it a culture range? So, but I love the fact that we have the capacity to do that level of testing. Um, But again, it's this thing, if we have, people of, you know, a diverse board talking about, okay, we need to do a diverse test group then because otherwise nobody thinks about that. And then, so I think that in the future, um, our test groups will, will be more, um, representative of, of, Mm -hmm. you know, the population, the global population, um, mm-hmm. And so that that I think is getting very very interesting. How we're doing the testing, you know, why we're, we're doing, doing the, the testing. testing. Yeah. Yeah. And and what what do we conclude from from that? And how are different uh, different different measures or uh, different data? How is it interconnected? In a He, he told me from another study they just did um, where they used around about 100 um, sea levels um, and they did blood tests on them and then <clears throat> there were 50 or uh, all of them um, tweaked and optimized their nutrition to really healthy and um, yeah, good nutrition. Uh, no snacks, no gluten, no uh, high sugar in between snacks and stuff like that. Uh, but the other half um, got this micronutrient analysis as well and then uh, got the yeah, individual special uh, micronutrient recipes and uh, after, I guess, 20 or 22 weeks as well, They got tested again, uh, and most of the the people that get uh, the special micronutrient individually on top were doing much better, especially in the blood in the blood work, uh, and the others um, they they. Uh, They got better in their in their like body mass index and everything concerning just 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 the body, um, but not in the for example uh, in the sleep or stress level data. They were still worse. And what what was what was funny about uh, especially in in this test what they found out was yeah um, the uh, the the subjective and the objective view on themselves because yeah they were they were sea levels when they were asked how do you feel uh, oh sea level okay. <laughs> i thought they, you meant people like, living by the sea so the whole <laughs> time i thought you were... <laughs>
Ah, no, not sea, not, not, not living by the sea, but sea levels like... Uh, I know what you mean. No, I know what you mean. Oh, that's so CEO and CFO and uh, leadership uh, personnel man managers. Um, and... <laughs> It's funny that you realize it now when I say uh, they were they were all like going I'm fine I'm totally fine I feel fine yeah but the blood work says something completely different and it's like uh, this the the study of that I'm particularly interested in have been experimenting with um with very successfully and then with a number of other people so um you know with attention is the the high level um you know, I call it jet fuel, but the MCT oil, the high level fat, yeah. um, yeah. huge, huge difference, huge difference. That's a game changer. Mm. And then you, 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 um, always have to, yeah, you take, take in account, um, what is changing in the whole, in, in your whole system. Like when you, uh, when you, when you take the MCT, for example, uh, you are much more awake. You have more energy in the morning, but what happens next? So maybe you get more work done because you took the MCT, you were more focused. Uh, then you are more relaxed in, in, in the afternoon. Maybe, uh, you, you do something different then as well. Just because you were so productive in the morning, then your afternoon changes, then you are more relaxed in the evening. I'm, I'm simplifying completely here, but th th then you get better sleep. You, you, you get better sleep because uh, your, your evening was much more relaxed. You got deeper sleep. Uh, then you wake up the next morning with more energy and so on and so on. So effect to everything that we do. Absolutely. And when we change yeah. a behavior, of course, it has a ripple effect, whether it's like, you know, walking for 10 minutes outside, you know, it yeah. seems minor because the MCT oil thing, it's, it's, it's not an extreme thing. And again, we're at this, this, this hyper, um, You know, we want proof. We want, you know, we want to see it. We want to see it. We want the impact to be big. And it's like, ooh, you know, we're not used to looking for the subtleties anymore in in ourselves, in nature, or in anything. We want an extreme big impact, you know. <laughs> And so the MCT oil, if you're not paying attention, you're not going to notice a whole lot. Mm -hmm. But it's like over a period of time, and it's like not every day is going to be a great day. It's, you mm -hmm. know, so the, the expectation that you're going to take it and everything's going to be amazing and wonderful is, you know, unrealistic. Yeah. But it's, it's, um, it, for me, it doesn't, and for other people who use it, it's, it, um, I want to say it doesn't give us more energy. That's a, there's a kind of a false analysis. It just, it's such that we don't, need to burn energy in an inefficient manner of, of, of our brain energy of trying to do something. Cause a lot of energy is burnt in a, in a, in a uh, unproductive manner. And it takes yeah, a lot of, so you can use just what you need. It's all yeah. I want to say, um, it's so efficient in that manner. So it kind of allows us to be to to use our energy more efficiently because as they yeah. say our brains take so much energy 
to operate, like to make decisions and things. It takes a lot of energy. So people will mm -hmm. go the, the path of least resistance to use as less energy as possible for our brains. No. This is what we're built for. So if I can boost that, you're damn right I'm going to do it. And the fact <laughs> yes. that I can you know, optimize myself chemically. And we're, we're getting over this area, so we should we should probably stop now. And the next one, jump back into the nutrition stuff. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. That would probably be the, the, the thing to do and kind of leave people with the, you know, oh, next time we'll dig into this farther. Because we're definitely yeah, going in this direction. And I'm, I'm gonna, I, I could, I could feel I'm going to give away some, not good giveaway tips or stuff, but it's like, it's, it's, it's an interesting lead into the next ah, one. For the, for the, for the first, for the first episode, I think to, to end with a cliffhanger is uh, totally okay. <laughs> it's the pilot. <laughs> it's a pilot episode. But it's like, I've got, you know, my God, my whole lifetime. And, and again, I'm very, very, very lucky um, to have been raised by the woman I was raised with, you know, she was brilliant. She was ahead of her time. I was raised in the era of, you know, the beginning of McDonald's and my sister and I were like, it's not fair. We're not allowed to eat that. And my mom like, that's garbage. <laughs> and so as a single mother, I mean, you know, she really, she really did the work there she couldn't i mean she couldn't pay enough attention to her you know like what we were doing in school i mean you could as a single mother you only have so much time but food was no joke and mm -hmm. we had we ate dinner together and we ate fresh and um cheap i mean cheap you know there was stuff like why do we have to eat this and, and <laughs> we would go over we had no like snacks and sugary stuff and we thought that was so unfair And mm -hmm. uh, so we'd go over to friends' houses and be like, can I have a Pop-Tart? Can we have potato chips? And uh, and then on weekends that we spend at my dad's, we were just like injecting and inhaling Coca-Cola and potato chips. <laughs> Come home all like wired out. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's like but in mom's birth, house, yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah. you know, and now I'm so thankful because it's yeah. it's like the base of what I have and the, and the knowledge, the nutrition knowledge I have because of mm. that is, I can't, uh, I can't imagine what my it life was would so be. so funny like. when, 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 uh, we were, when our daughter was two years old, um, we went to a little play group, uh, every, every Thursday. And when a child, uh, had birthday, then, They were supposed to bring something uh, for the for the others, little cake or so, and that always was so funny to see. I mean, the first thing our daughter uh, ate was uh, she grabbed. Uh, I think the first thing was a uh, strawberry. Uh, then it was cucumber and pepper bell, and then uh, she grabbed a piece of steak. Like the third day or fourth day, she uh, was eating. Uh, And we always uh, took care of don't um, um, yeah giving her too much of industrialized food so that the brain paths could 
build up properly. And when she was two years old, uh, <laughs> one of the kids brought like muffins <laughs> and uh, every kid was jumping on the muffins and she took one she took a little bite and gave it to, <laughs> gave it to my girlfriend and said no mom you can eat this it's too sweet for me and all the other mothers were like how did she do that <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and she's still not now with, with uh, six years old of course uh, she likes sweet stuff from time to time but she also knows when uh when she had enough and she can say okay one piece is enough for me that's good and now i want to have something else or, or nothing anymore um yeah where other kids don't don't have um these built-in borders or this built limit built-in limits to know okay now because because it's supposed it's designed and it's supposed to make us want more 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 uh buy more of this stuff yeah Yeah. yeah, yeah. And this is the thing, I'm, I'm, as I would say, I feel super lucky because so many of my friends my age, they have health problems because they grew up. And of course, America was the impetus of the fast food and the industrialized food systems that, that are now just permeating everything. And they have health problems. Um, and I, you know... I mean, perfectly healthy people who have healthy food have problems as well. But overall, it's it's crazy, you know, the amount of diabetes, this and that, that comes into yeah. it. Um, yeah. And and it's like, I, I, I feel lucky. I feel lucky because I don't have that, you know, need to just, you know, to keep, keep, keep. Because um, um, on one hand, it's... it's some of it is psychological and then some of it is is just physiological uh, but mm. but the, the the fact that you know it's like the tobacco companies you know they engineered mm. it to be addictive mm. and the food is the same way you know pizza mm. are you kidding we'll eat pizza every once in a while and it's like i'll have one piece and i'll be fine but it's like no 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 i have more 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 and i'm like but i'm very aware of that and i'm like holy cow my body is telling me My taste buds are telling me chemically, it's just this perfect storm of eat more. Mm -hmm. It's wild to be able to listen to that, even as you're doing it and recognize yeah. it. It's like, yeah. man, alive. That's it's <laughs> super, it, it's powerful. It's scary. You know, yeah. it's like if you don't have, um, you know, control over your kid's you know, nutrition, if there's something going on in the family where you don't, and the kids have to kind of look out for themselves, how do you, how do you keep that from happening? And especially social, yeah. socioeconomically, you know, if people don't have access to the fresh food and the, and a balanced diet, um, and a cooking situation, because I think about these people at the borders right now, I'm just like, what are they eating? I can't, <laughs> I can't help it, you know? I can't help it because they're imprinting for later on in life. Well, hopefully uh, we could engineer uh, at this uh, point. <laughs> the, I want to listen more <laughs> in in our in our in our audience. Uh, and um, yeah, that was that was a blast. Uh, we are r way over the 
uh, one and a half hour mark already. Yeah. Well, I'm <laughs> counting on you to, to like, you know, I'm, I'm sure we could like cut out an hour with all my ums and ands and pauses. <laughs> no, it's no, good. No, it's no, no, probably no. take a while for me to get used to this. I would like to, to suggest something if, you know, I don't know how, you know, how long it's going to take to anybody actually listens to these things, but I would like to suggest that if anybody, you know, has listened or if, you know, you know, please write in a question or something that you're interested in or that you want us to talk about and, uh, you know, yes. something that you're fascinated with or that you've been studying or experimenting with um, in this area of the, you know, I want to say, I should start saying, or even the languaging, this is an interesting thing. What new language? How can we language this? Should it be neuronormatives and neurodivergent? Because neurodiversity is the whole thing. That's like the umbrella. Yeah. So yeah. kind of like, what are the words and the languaging should we be thinking of um, for the future of how to talk about this stuff? Yeah, I'd be into mm -hmm. knowing that or having any suggestions or like, yeah, what are your viewpoints? What are your thoughts? Voila. <laughs> and... Until we have an uh, official website and email addresses and so, uh, where should people send their suggestions or questions or feedback? Well, we should probably put the, um, our, our uh, LinkedIn contacts, because that's how I have everybody contact me is yes. on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. So we can put the LinkedIn contacts on there and, and just, yeah, hit me up. I'm always up for a good conversation. And they are fun. That was <laughs> that was really, really fun. We just uh, dived right in. Maybe people uh, expected to have a really structured I am Sharon. And the... <laughs> I know we started off with me introducing was. myself and we never went <laughs> to you. Kind of. Uh, uh, between the b between the lines there there, there was uh, already, already a lot. But... Um, Funny thing is, you answered a question I had all the time, but uh, always forgot to ask, is how Lee is pronounced. Because I would have said Lay or something like, like that. Right, right. It's funny because I had a conversation this morning where they were talking about the... Um you know, different cultures and languages and how we pronounce our name and how do we introduce ourselves. And in Germany, it was mm. always tough because how they pronounced it just doesn't sound, doesn't, it's not super pleasant. Like. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like, like. Lach, lach. And, and, and it's, so it's, yeah. But in the Latin countries tend to pronounce it. They're not quite sure how to pronounce it, but it always sounds great, even mm. when they mess it up. Mm. And, uh, mm. <laughs> and of course, in French, my first name is Charon. You know, <laughs> ah, oui, oui. Wait, this is Sharon Lee. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, now actually I, I would like to start hyphenating and using Lydia's name on the end of it. because we finally did my papers here and we, we did hyphenate it and I'm not changing my name, but that we're just using mm -hmm. it that way. So Sharon Lee Jean, mm -hmm. and there's a musicality mm -hmm. to it of having the three names. Yeah. I'm a legion hunting to myself. <laughs> yes, the <laughs> Sharon Legion. <laughs> That's cool. Legionnaire. Ha <laughs> ha. 
<laughs> yeah, but that 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 shows again how much you can uh, do with 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 language uh, exactly. And if you if you find the right the right words uh, and then the right sound for those words, so yeah. That's something I'm struggling with as well. Uh, and um, I mean, I just became aware of the whole neurodiversity topic like six weeks ago uh, in particular. So it's much, much, much to take in. And uh, I totally selfishly use this podcast for learning more and more and more about it. So if everybody, uh, anybody out there would like to, to add something, to give feedback, uh, to ask questions, to ask us uh, what we could talk about in the future, then... Yeah, and I, and I totally right. agree with you. It's totally on a selfish manner that it's like we're doing kind of this thing because it's an amazing way uh, for self-education. And this is one of the ways that people who are neurodivergent were, you know... I'm going to say we are, because I don't want to say it a blanket thing, but it's definitely for me and a lot of neurodivergent people that I know, um, mm -hmm. we kind of carve our own path so that we can learn. And so this mm -hmm. is definitely, you know, learning by doing for sure is a big deal and learning by experimenting. And it seems like everybody is kind of doing that these days. So, uh, yeah. And it's cool to have um, to do collaborative learning of having people um, and, of course, having guests later on as, you know, as it pops up and as the, the interest arises is, yeah. is totally we're totally open for that. And yeah, uh, yeah. so I'm like so welcome to the neurodivergent, not neurodivergent, yeah, yeah, neurodivergent learning, self-learning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Woo. Cool, cool, cool.